Lizette Khan on SAFM. Good evening and welcome to SFM Sports On. And normally, Tabiso Musia is your host, but I'm sitting in for him this evening. And what an auspicious event to be sitting in on. I must say, as a South African and, uh, and as a tennis fanatic, Kevin Anderson's win against Roger Federer was one for the history books. Uh, you know, I, I, looking at the game, watching it, I was extremely emotional the entire game. Of course, the last time they met was in Cincinnati. I think it was 2015. Um, in that game, Roger Federer beat uh, Kevin Anderson six. 6-1-6-1. Going into this particular game, Federer hadn't dropped a set, so it didn't look particularly great for Kevin Anderson, but he did beat him, even after that disastrous first set where he went down 2-6. Um, he fought back, and he registered that win in 4 hours and 13 minutes. That makes him the first SA man to reach Wimbledon uh, semi-finals since Kevin Curran. That was back in 1983. If you want to give us a call, tell us exactly how you're feeling about this particular win. Give us a call on 0891-104-207. You can also SMS us on 40938. That's 40938. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. But we are in the age of uh, social media and currently he is trending. So if you do want to hit us up on Twitter, we are at SAFM Radio. Use that all-important hashtag SAFM Sport on. Um, I'm, I, I am we are at SAFM Radio. I'm at Lizzie underscore Khan and the man who was watching all the action at Wimbledon is Chris Bowers. He's standing by to tell us exactly what that atmosphere must have been like on court number one. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. Well, lovely to be with you, Lizette. And as you rightly said, it was an amazing achievement for Kevin Anderson. In terms of the atmosphere, well, the problem is Roger Federer is a favourite wherever he, he plays, goes. even <laughs> if he was playing a, a home player. Um, and, and the crowd were very big with him. But what was remarkable was when Anderson had won, he shook hands with Federer, he shook hands with the umpire, he then walked out into the centre of the court, and he was given an amazing ovation. <laughs> and I think the crowd, although they, most of them wanted Federer to win, they realised just what an a fantastic achievement this was. And I was thinking afterwards that, you know, Anderson and lots of other professionals spend an awful lot of time at unfashionable times of the year, at unfashionable times of the day, pounding their, the weights in the gym and the treadmills and working on their fitness. And they must think at times, why do I do this? Yeah. Well, he did it for days like today, four and a quarter hours, and he got through. Amazing. And it was so interesting in the post-match uh, interview that he did when he was going into um, into the changing rooms. One of the things he kept saying was he just kept believing. And, you know, after being two sets down, it, and it must have taken a tremendous amount of mental strength for him to actually turn this game around. Yes, I mean, you mentioned in in your introduction the, uh, the 6-2 first set. I mean, that was 26 minutes. And, yeah. You know, he started nervously. He was broken to 15 in the opening game of the match. It was... It was you know, it was all Federer, and, and there were times when you just have to say, well, too good. And Federer was too good, really, for the first two sets. Um, but the statistic that I think we should be uh, dwelling on is one hour, 56 minutes, because it was after one hour, 56 minutes, that Federer had a match point. Yes. And uh, it was, uh, you know, you could say, well, Federer shanked a backhand. That would be a slightly unfair way of looking at it, because really what happened was that uh, Anderson came in with a powerful forehand deep to the Federer backhand. Federer went for the winner because really he was out of position in the frame and went wide. But from that moment on, the whole match changed. changed. And uh, Anderson broke in the next uh, in the next Federer service game. And, uh, you know, from the start of the fourth set, well, I said at the time it's still likely that Federer will win. Mm-hmm. But 
that the momentum gradually, gradually, gradually changed. And even in the fifth set, Federer was getting his serve more easily than Anderson. Anderson was up against it more often, and yet he hung in there. And it's, it's, it's a sporting cliche, hang in there. Yes. And I'm sure some people of a certain age probably think, oh, goodness me, we, these cliches that people keep using. But the reason that they're cliches, the reason they're truisms, is that they're true, they're true. They, they apply. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's a great lesson in life. Hang in there. You just never know what will happen. And, you know, the odds were all the way through that Federer would somehow find a way to win. But Anderson hung in there long enough and actually came out the victor. And although he only got to the, he's only got to the semifinals here, I think this victory was bigger than any of his uh, six victories that took him to the US Open final last year. Now, looking at his next opponent, it's either going to be Milos Raonic or John Isner. Um, of the two... Uh, who do you think he's hoping for? Because you have to look at Isner and his record against him. And that's been, I mean, John Isner's been like a thorn in his flesh his entire career. I mean, you know, I look at it a different way. <laughs> I would say that he would want to play Isner yes. because Isner is a year older than him. You know, True. Anderson's 32, he's in great shape. He's in, he's in fantastic condition. Um, but Ranich uh, is 27. And although he hasn't had that much, uh, you know, he hasn't had that many matches this year, um, I think Anderson having just come off four and a quarter hours, that is going to uh, have an effect on him. He will need to be doing an awful lot of fitness work tonight and tomorrow to get himself in prime shape on Thursday. And I suspect that if he comes up against Isner, uh, you know, he needs to win three tie breaks, really. Um, it's, uh, you, you, it's like a Western. You <laughs> turn up to the shootout. Um, now, and, and with these and, two, it's definitely a shootout, wouldn't you say, Chris Bowers? Because they, their their serves are just phenomenal between the two of them, whether it's Milos Raonic or John Isner. It really is fastest draw between the two of them. Yes, and in many ways, I mean, Raonic and Isner are just starting now. And, and I think that what um, Anderson will want is for them to finish either about 9.15 tonight, mm. I, I, it goes late as possible, or not finish tonight, so that whoever... He, um, and it ends up playing doesn't have a day off but they have to come back tomorrow but um, who knows who it's knows? Um, it's one of those things where you know it's a match of very little rhythm the match with Federer today there were phases of the match where neither player had much rhythm the points were very short and then there were some very long rallies mm. but as the match wore on Anderson more of the long rallies now, of course, there was another quarterfinal today. That was the game between Novak Djokovic and Kena Shikuri. Novak Djokovic booking his spot to the semifinals. Um, Kena Shikuri also, you know, looking between the two of them, Djokovic was always going to be the favourite. But K definitely, you know, he, he, didn't, he did seem a little bit out of sorts today, judging from his form throughout um, the competition. Do, do you know... He said, I'd almost forgotten about that one. I've been so confused with Anderson against uh, Federer. Um, I, I was keeping a quiet eye on it, but I, I can't tell you a great deal because I was so fixated on the Anderson match. Um, but yes, the, the crucial thing in that, Djokovic won the first set, and Nishikori won the second. second. And mm-hmm. I was watching when there was this marathon fifth game of the third set mm-hmm. on the Djokovic third, and Nishikori had a couple of break points. And had he broken then, then I think that momentum that he had might have continued. Yeah. The fact that Djokovic won that marathon game meant that the, uh, he rested back the momentum. And actually, he only dropped two more games in the rest of the match after that because he won the third set 6-2 and the fourth 6-2. Yeah, uh, uh, looking just finally at the game that's currently underway, the game between Del Potro and Rafael Nadal. Um, of course, Rafael Nadal uh, also hoping, um, he must have heard that Federer is out at this point, um, and he's probably thinking this is an opportunity for him to, to take Wimbledon. 
But in a way, they all are. I mean, I would say that Hot Shire probably walked out today feeling the same thing. Yeah. I, I said, actually, when um, uh, it was midway through the second set of the Adel Potter Nadal match and about 11 all in the Anderson uh, Federer match, I was thinking the happiest person at the moment must be Djokovic because, you know, he's played four sets, bits, he's in yes. the locker room, he hasn't extended himself. Um, the, the other thing that was said to me, and I hadn't realised this, but it makes total sense, is that uh, depending who's in the final, you know, if England were to win the uh, World Cup World semi-final Cup, against yes. Croatia starting in uh, less than an hour, then um, you know, Wimbledon might have its lowest viewing figures yes. in this country yeah. um, that it's had for years and years. Because suddenly, you know, the idea was well, a Federer Nadal final would challenge uh, any uh, lineup in the World Cup final, but um, uh, you know, that won't happen now. Interesting times indeed. Chris Bowers, thank you very much for uh, bringing us all the action live from Wimbledon. I'm hoping to speak to you again soon. I'll be speaking to me a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you very much. That's Chris Bowers. He was, of course, at that all-important game which saw Kevin Anderson become the first South African man to reach the Wimbledon semi-final since Kevin Curran in 1983. Of course, uh, we have another team that's going to be in action from tomorrow, some more South Africans, and that's the Proteas. They are in Sri Lanka. We are going to be uh, listening to Otis Gibson um, chat uh, about exactly the conditions that can be expected in Sri Lanka. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Welcome back to SFM Sports On with me, Lizette Khan. It's just gone 16 minutes after 7. In case you've missed it, of course, the grid news for the day is that Kevin Anderson is through to the semi-finals of Wimbledon 2018. Uh, but as we said, there are some other, some other South Africans that are going to be in action. Um, and we know that Sri Lanka are hosting uh, the Proteas team. Uh, the Proteas are going to be playing two tests, five one-day internationals and one T20 in Sri Lanka. Um, to tell us a little bit about what's going on in Sri Lanka. There is a uh, well, Otis Gibson spoke to the media and he was talking about the team being recharged and refreshed after a very good summer. Um, of course, the team also arrived there on the 5th of July, so they did get there a little bit early and he talks about the reasons why they arrived early in Sri Lanka and the importance of being able to play any pitch. Let's listen to what he had to say. Um, yeah, we've had a nice break. You know, We, uh, we had a good summer last um, last summer, so um, it's good to get get back out onto the onto the park and uh, get out on t- on tour. You know, it's my first tour with the team here in Sri Lanka. Um, we've had a really good week leading up to it. Um, the guys have been hitting a lot of balls and stuff like that, so we feel quite ready. You know, for the for the challenge of trying to win a series over here. The not the normal stuff. We know it's going to be obviously the pitches won't be as, as um, conducive to our style of players as they are at home, but then you know we have to make that adjustment, you know. And I keep saying to the guys, if we want to be the, 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 a top team and the best team in the world, which is one of our goals, then we have to learn to play in all conditions, you know. And these conditions will present some different challenges to us. But there's um, there's some guys here that have played here before, so they understand those challenges. And some of the new guys have to learn quite quickly. You know, we came a couple of days earlier than we than we were supposed to, so to, to prepare ourselves for that. Um, and the guys are fit anyway, you know. We, we've done a lot of fitness testing back at home and the guys were training back at home before we got here. So uh, we feel quite prepared both physically and mentally for the challenges of Sri Lanka. Uh, it's looked so far so good. Eh? I mean, we've, we've, we've had a nice time. We've had a, a you know, I've bedded in quite nicely. The lads have responded quite well to me. 
Um, we've played some good cricket. Um, obviously, like I said, all of it being at home in Sri Lanka, in South Africa. So this is a new challenge for us as a team because I haven't, you know, we haven't been on tour yet. So we're looking forward to it, you know. And, and uh, I'm enjoying um, being in charge, and the guys have responded well to me, like I said. And um, we're just going to see how, how this goes and we know what we want to try and get out of this uh, and we're just going to see see where this takes us. Um, yeah, the resilience of the team, you know, we played against we played against um, India and, Aust and Australia at home, two very tough teams. India the number one test team, um, you know, and we're trying to push for that number one spot, you know, and, and um, I guess the, the depth of our team, you know, AB is just retired, so there's a position at number four for somebody to, to, to come in and grab that position and, and help to take the team forward, you know, and, and um, we're, we're aware of where we are as a group, um, and we're just looking forward to seeing what we can get out of Sri Lanka. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. That was, of course, Otis Gibson, who is the coach of the Proteas. They're currently down in Sri Lanka. They're going to be starting that first test against Sri Lanka tomorrow in Gaul. Um, the last time that South Africa actually played in Sri Lanka, they had two enthralling tests there, and it saw them win a series on the island for only the second time, and it was the first time in 21 years. That was in 2014. On the line, we've got Peter Kirsten. Peter, of course, is a former South African player himself. Peter, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us this evening. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting start tomorrow in Sri Lanka. Never easy there. Uh, uh, Kersey, see, I wanted to call you Kersey because I'm so used to it. Peter, let's get, <laughs> let's get stuck yeah. into it um, straight from the beginning. Uh, looking at the team that went over in 2014, there's been a lot of changes. Um, Hashim Ambla is no, no longer the captain. The captain went to A.B. de Villiers, who's no longer with the team. The captain is now Faf Duplessis. A.B. de Villiers has also now retired. Um, we've got a new coach in Otis Gibson. A lot of changes that has happened to this team. Do you think I'm heading into this particular uh, test series with South Africa pressing, they're currently the second-ranked um, test team in the world, that this is good change or is it change that we should be worrying about as a viewing public? Yeah, Lizette, lovely talking to you. Okay, I think uh, it's going to be a very tough tour. I think uh, you mentioned that, you know, the loss of A.B. de Villiers, it's a huge loss. And mm -hmm. uh, Hashim Amla, for me, in my opinion, the last of the, the genius players, as you could, as you could, call, could call it. I think Aidan Markram is the next boy coming up, the next guy coming up. Sri Lanka is a tough place. I think wickets, wickets are, are different. Uh, four years ago, we saw Hashim Amla probably his best, and yeah. uh, Imran Tahir and Vernon Fernandez blocking out that final test match to save the test and uh, South, South Africa win the series. So I think this is a big challenge for Otis Gibson and certainly Faf Duplessis. Uh, Sri Lanka played here uh, about two years ago, but playing in South Africa is totally different. Yeah. I think Arath is, is the left-arm spinner. I'm not too sure if he's in the side, but uh, can they counter the spin factor, the slow wickets in Sri Lanka? I think that's going to be the big test. Let's talk about the the spin because I mean, looking at how they struggled against India when coming and when playing against spin, it does seem to be looking at this game. And Faf Duplessis said it himself that this is actually going to be a game for the batters, that the batsmen are going to be you know the deciding factor for both teams. Um, is it a worrying factor when it comes to South Africa's ability to play spin, especially on these uh, the, the pitches in the subcontinent? 
Well, I think that uh, South Africa have proved that uh, over the last decade that it's probably a fallacy because we've played spin very, very well. Mm. But, you know, it's no longer Jacques Callis, there's no longer Gary Kirsten, there's no, no longer uh, Graham Smith. And, of course, I've just mentioned A.B. de Villiers. So it's a chance for Timber the rumour to come in and probably get that number four spot. And uh, everybody loves to see Timber do well. He has done well. He scored that brilliant maiden test hundred against England at Newlands a few years back. So let's hope that he can just take that huge gap left by A.B. de Villiers. I think therein lies uh, the major factor. And uh, if they can conquer that, and uh, that's where Aidan Markham comes in. Dean Elgar has been brilliant too. Hashim Amala, we need him to come to the party. Vernon Philander is coming in at number what? Number eight. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge test for the guys. But South Africa have a brilliant bowling attack. So whether it's a slow wicket or a quick wicket, they are staying. The spinners, Maharaj has done so well. Shamsi is there. So it's all there for the for the guys to put up the hands and own that spot. Talking about that um, bowling attack, of course, the likes of Dale Stane coming back after injury. We've also got Cajizo Robado, who had that uh, lower back strain, who's come back in, Vernon Fulander. Uh, they haven't had a lot of action, a lot of injury concerns with those three, uh, with, you know, with pace. Um, also, Lugin Giri is going to be in the side. Um, and looking at him and Cajizo Robado, they haven't really had a lot of ex- exposure and experience in the subcontinent. Um, looking at the tracks, do you think that we should go in with a pace um, a pace attack and maybe two spinners, or are we looking at, at basically playing our three spinners and and, and um, our three spacemen and one spinner? Yeah, Lizard, you bring up some good points there. Ngidi, I love this guy. He's strong. He's quick. He gets the bounce. Mm. Uh, his bounce factor will probably be negated. Dale Stane comes back and gets hope. He's fit. He's got three wickets left to to break Sean Pollock's record. He swings at his lost pace. You do as you get older, plus his shoulder injury. Rabada has been brilliant. Looks like his lower back strain is, uh, has healed. And so it's, I think the boys will be very motivated. Motivated. I think Otis Gibson has done a good job. He's been a surprise selection as, as a coach mm-hmm. uh, back way back in October last year. But he's done well, and I think that the boys have responded to him. We heard him on an earlier clip. But now out of South Africa, I think that uh, South Africa have a very decent bowling attack on all types of wickets. I've mentioned Maharaj, this, the left arm spinner, and of course the batting. So it's, it's up for grabs. Two tests, sure. It's a prior sort of series at the moment because we haven't played for about three, three or four months. But uh, just, just looking at the body language and listening to the guys speak young and older, I think the boys are, are very keen to get back to that number one spot, a long way to go. But uh, I think that uh, if they can recall and remember four years ago how they played, then they should be fine. Uh, you know, uh, Kirzi, you make mention of the fact that you know, it's a long way to go to that number one spot, but you really have to take it one test at a time. They're playing these two tests um, in Sri Lanka, the first one now in Gaul, listening to Otis Gibson. Uh, and, you know, like you said, it seems like they're a different side. That the team seems a lot more cutthroat. They seem a lot more in your face, and they they definitely seem a different side to what they were, you know, before Otis took over. What would you say? Do you think is attributed to that particular culture change in the team? You know, that I think a break is a good thing at just international level. You you look at the, the, the if I might digress a little bit, yes. the, the England World Cup football team, they look relaxed <laughs> and they're playing a semi-final match tonight. Mm-hmm. 
I, I see a, a type of relaxed atmosphere creeping into this South African cricketing setup. That's the way Otis Gibson is. That is, I played with him. I captained him when I was captain of Border all those years back, and yeah. he played for Border when he first came to South Africa. I'm not surprised that he's, he's done well wherever he's been, and I think he just imparts that sort of. Apart from the relaxation factor, the skill factor with the bowling, he's done a good job of the use of the batter, and Gidi's been good too. He understands how to get his fast bowlers operating. So, and Maharaj has been a very, very interesting acquisition to the whole setup. He takes wickets, he keeps it tight, and by the way, he can bat a bit down at number eight, eight or nine, nine too. Yeah. So, I think they're discovering new talents. That's the beauty of the uh, South African domestic competition. So, for me, it's looking good. Of course, I'm in conversation with Peter Kirsten, former South African uh, uh, cricketer. It's just gone 27 minutes after seven. We're talking about that first test match between South Africa and Sri Lanka that is going to start tomorrow. If you do want to give us a call, get in on the conversation, ask Kersey any questions, give us a call 0891-104-207. That's 0891-104-207. You can also SMS us on 40938. 40938 SMSs are charged at 1150. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at at SAFM Radio, that all important hashtag is at SA, well, hashtag SAFM Sport on, and I'm at Lizzie underscore Khan. Um, Kersey, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier when we talked about the fact that Faf Duplessis is the captain, and it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Um, of course, this comes with a with a lot of controversy between him as well as Dinesh Chandamal at the moment, looking at the ball tampering situation and what's been going on there. Um, you know, do, do you get the impression that both these captains are going to be, you know, kind of stressed to put their fingers in their mouths at some point and touch the ball? Oh, Lizette, you get me going here on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the two different countries seem to have different laws and sort oh, of yeah. penalties for their players. I mean, you look at poor Steve Smith and uh, Dave Warner and these guys and Shandamal probably getting a more lenient sentence. But I see the United, um, I mean, the uh, RCC has come in with uh, standard penalties and things and things. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, ball tampering has been going on since uh, I played against Imran Khan. There I mention his name and <laughs> yeah, and, and no relation by the way, no relation in the pockets, and they got away with it. So I think <laughs> it's been going on since 1970. But uh, yes, I think Chandamal and Fafdut to see they'll be probably chuckling inwardly and realizing, you know what, guys, we cannot be caught this time. So whether they got zips on their, their flannels and whatever <laughs> they go about it, <laughs> I suppose the cleverer way just is to chew a little bit of. <laughs> put a wine gum and put the saliva on the board, and I suppose. Kersey, I don't think we should be handing ball. out advice on how to board <laughs> this particular <laughs> point in time. Kersey, um, mm. just looking at this game, um, uh, you know, uh, of course, it, it is a test match, which is very diff- different to the One Day Internationals. Also, a very different team that when you look at the One Day Internationals. But we also need to be cognizant of the fact, of course, that we have a World Cup that's coming up. Looking at the talent that's coming through, and looking at the World Cup course when it comes to South Africa. Um, do you think that Otis Gibson has what it takes to kind of pull the guys together in order to maybe get that elusive World Cup come, uh, you know, 2019? You know, Lizard, I think, and, and I recall reading when A.B. retired, and I, and I, I put that in the comments, I, I still think A.B. will be back for the, for, the, uh, for the ODR, the World Cup. I think Otis was sh- shocked, just like many of us were. Mm. I think AB leaves a huge gap. So 
But he's still got 18 or so games, I think, ODR matches to basically get an idea of what team he's gonna, squad he's going to choose. Yeah. I mean, in my situation way back in 1992, I was left out of the initial squad but got back in eventually at the 11th hour and took part successfully so. So you're going to see lots of changes and at the 11th hour, who's on form, who's, you get injuries, all kinds of things happen. So he's got time. I think he can do it. Uh, he's been with the West Indies. He's been with England. So he's got vast experience as to what type of squad to pick for that World Cup in England next year. And I am going to be there. I am not missing the World Cup in England next year. So let's get there. <laughs> we definitely have to get there. Um, we're going to take a quick break and I'd like to get some callers in and some action from some comments from um, our SMS line, Kersey. Um I also want to ask you about, of course, this actually this tour marks the 25th anniversary year of the bilateral series between Sri Lanka and South Africa. And that rivalry began in 1993, if you remember when Kepler Vessels led a squad uh, that made that inaugural trip. Um, so since then, the nations have played 25 matches with South Africa winning 14 compared to Sri Lanka's five. Um, I, I want you to look back on the rivalry and, and tell me, you know, what are some of your fond memories of some of the good knocks um, between these two countries right after this? Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Welcome back to SFM Sports On. It has now gone 27 minutes to 8 o'clock, which means that we've only got 27 minutes of the show left. And we are in conversation with Peter Kirsten, former South African cricketer. Kirsten, of course, represented South Africa in 12 tests and 41-day internationals. That was from 1991 to 1994. So I'm sure he remembers with fondness, you know, this relationship between Sri Lanka um, and South Africa. It is the series that is marking the 25th year anniversary of the rivalry between the two nations. Kersey, when you look at the last 25 years, are there any knocks or any games that stand out for you, um, just looking at the rivalry between the two? Okay, we do seem to have lost Peter Kirsten. We're going to try and reconnect with him. But we also want to hear from you. Radio is all about the listeners and sport is all about the people. So give us a call, 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. You can also SMS us on 40938. That's 40938. SMSs are charged at 1RAND50. Uh, our Twitter handle is at SAFM Radio with that all-important hashtag SAFM Sport on. I am at Lizzie underscore Khan. And we're talking about the game between South Africa, well, the test series between South Africa and Sri Lanka that starts tomorrow. That's Thursday in Gaul. Um, they're going to be playing uh, two tests, five one-day internationals and one T20. Of course, South Africa are currently the, the second or ranked second when it comes to test teams in the world on the ICC rankings. Um, we've got Faf Duplessis who is going to be leading the team out. It's a little bit of uncertainty with regards regards to Dinesh Chandamal and exactly what is going to be happening with him uh, after that ball tampering um, admission of guilt from his side. Um, but as we said, this is the, the, the series is the 25th year anniversary of the relationship between the two countries. Uh, Peter is back. Uh, Peter, any, any fond memories or, or exceptional knocks that stand out for you looking over the last 25 years? Uh, sorry, Lizette, we got lost there. That's fine. I remember Kumar Sangakara. I think uh, he got a one, he got a he got a duck in at Centurion Park about mm-hmm. three four years ago, and uh, in the second inning he's got a hundred. Yes. So these players come to mind. That type of player they've got. They've had the genius in the past, Mr. Ranatunga 
yeah. in the sort of uh, way back when I used to play, he was a final left-hander. I remember playing against him at the World Cup in Australia in 1992. So they are blessed with a lot of skill and uh, the opening batter, I think, uh, who, who changed the run rate uh, in the 1998 World Cup. I forget his name, but he was a brilliant player, another left-hander. Jay Surya, that was his name. Yeah. So these, these guys are blessed with immense skill. Shaminda Fass, the left-hander, who gave Herschel Gibbs a, a, a lot of difficulty <laughs> with his in-swinging yes. uh, Yorkers, etc. So Mira Littleton, I've mentioned, there are so many of them. I think uh, uh, currently they... Well, currently... I mentioned her at. Yeah, there's so many of them. South Africa also blessed with a, a lot of class players too. So both teams full of skill. Looking at the current team, I think one of the, the standout um, you know, performers, especially when it comes to the bat, of course, is, is Kusal Mendes. Um, he's emerged as one of Sri Lanka's most accomplished young batsmen. Um, yes, and, yes. and he's definitely going to you know, want to be stand up and, and match the much vaunted South African attack. Um, he's definitely, I think, going to be one of those people that are going to be putting his hand up in this particular test. How do you think is the best way to approach him? Well, just, I recall commentating for Radio 2000 just over 18 months ago, mm-hmm. and in particular test in Port Elizabeth in Sri Lanka, Georgia, blessed with a lot of talent. But he, he wafts that bat outside the off stump, so they'll be going for that type of delivery court slip. And uh, he's also pretty dominant on the hook shot, so they'll be wary of that. Uh, Otis and his staff will be doing a lot of uh, uh, analysis, analysis on the various batters. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have them worked out. So if, if that young man, in eight, 18 months later, can sort his discipline out, I think he can be a big threat, especially on Sri Lankan wickets. Now, of course, looking at the South African team, the one that everybody's eyes are going to be on is Dale Steyn. As we have mentioned, you know, of course, there are the three wickets that he needs to take to overtake Sean Pollock and become South Africa's leading test wicket taker. As, as a cricketer, playing at that level, do those stats play in your mind, Kersey, or is it something that you actually forget about and just play on the day? You know, Lizette, I know Dale Stein loves his surfing, <laughs> and who wouldn't? You're at Musenberg in South Africa with the beautiful westerly waves, the wind. They're looking beautiful at the moment, and I know Dale would have loved to have been here over the last 10 days because the weather's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe that's a good omen. He's relaxed, and uh, he's had to get that shoulder right. Definitely, yeah. he'll be aware of those three wickets, and... Uh, who wouldn't want to be the highest ever wicket taker for South Africa in test, match, test matches? So he'll be definitely wanting to take another fall. Looking at some of South Africa's batsmen, Hashim Amla, he needs 18 more runs to get to that 9,000 in tests. Um, if he's going to get there, then he's going to be the South African, third South African batsman, um, Jacques Callas and Graham Smith, of course, being the other two. He didn't look, uh, he looked very good in the warm-up games. He got a, he got a half century, but he didn't look that great um, in the games against, um, uh, well, basically in the games against India. Um, do you think some, some time in the middle or some time off as well is going to prove to be beneficial for him? You know, I think, Lizette, when you talk about Hashim Amla, we've mentioned him, as you get older, the feet don't move. I recall Jeff, Bo- Jeff Boycott, who's had a, had just had a quadruple bypass, so mm-hmm. all our best thoughts for Jeff Boycott, the great Englishman. When you get older, the feet, you've got to get dancing. I think Hashim, definitely in Sri Lanka, should be at his best, as he showed four years ago. I think he's the key. So, yeah. I'm not surprised he scored so many runs. These guys are key for us, and... Uh, I think he's going to do it because 
he's still got the skill, he's got the, he's, he's got the, the, the motivation, just got to get those feet going. So let's hope he gets those uh, runs that is required. To Already he's, 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 a, he's a legend. He definitely is a legend, but another legend of the game, of course, is you, Peter. So thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us this evening. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the great weather in Musenberg, and hopefully you get to do some surfing yourself. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that lovely? Thank you for the invitation, and uh, great talking to you. Thank you very much. That was Peter Kirsten. We're chatting about, of course, South Africa's first test against Sri Lanka. It is starting tomorrow, but a game that everybody is looking forward to. Um, and I think that, you know, looking at the English fans, they are ready in their minds, man. They, they're in the finals. They are in the finals of the World Cup Russia 2018. Um, but Mo Ali is going to be telling us a little bit more about that game as Croatia take on England at 19. Well, actually, he's going to be telling us now, but the game, I think, starts at 8 o'clock. So Mo Ali will be throwing forward to that just after this. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. Welcome back to um, Sports On with me, Lizette Khan. I'm standing in for Tabiso Musia this evening. Um, if you do want to give us a call, please feel free. The lines are open. Our number is 0891-104-207. That's 0891-104-207. You can also SMS us 40938. That's the number 40938. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Hit us up on Twitter at SAFM Radio. And that hashtag is at uh, is hashtag SAFM Sports. Sports on, and I'm at Lizzie underscore Khan. As we said, of course, so there is um, the World Cup that's currently underway. Um, and uh, the, to bring us up to date with what we can expect in that game between Croatia and England, here's Mo Ali. Thanks very much indeed, Lizette. Yes, the English are so confident they're even thinking of uh, shifting the timing of the Wimbledon men's final on Sunday because, of course, the World Cup final is on Sunday. They're also thinking about a public holiday on Monday already. So their hearts are going to be seriously broken if uh, the team doesn't win this evening against the Croatia side. That I must say, will probably start feeling the effects uh, because, remember, they, their last two games, they've had to go uh, an extra 30 minutes in each of those games and also a penalty shootout. So it's going to be a tough ask for Croatia Croatia to uh, come up against England this evening. Uh, the, the physical fitness will come into question and the conditioning will come into question how quickly they would have recovered from that energy sapping game against the Russia that they won on penalties is uh, going to be crucial. Of course, uh, the main man in midfield for uh, Croatia is uh, Luka Modric and uh, he'll have to be closely watched alongside uh, his uh, teammate uh, Ivan Rakitic who scored that uh, winning penalty on uh, Sunday evening against Russia. And uh, England, uh, a young side in terms of of international experience and uh, set pieces I think is going to be crucial for them they've scored a, a number of goals from set pieces already both their central defenders John Stones and Harry Maguire have been on the scorecard uh, and uh, Jordan Pickford their goalkeeper has been in great form in goal as well and of course Harry Kane their captain tournament's top scorer with six goals will have to be closely watched as well and of course there's a battle between the two Liverpool players Dejan Lovren on the side of Croatia and his uh, teammate uh, Jordan Henderson so it's going to be uh, an exciting encounter to see who plays France in the final on Sunday, Lizette. Mo, uh, just looking at the at the team and looking at uh, the the effect that Southgate has had on the this English team, a lot of the players, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's six players played with him in the under-23s uh, for England. Do you think that that's been a, a, a big 
contributing factor to the morale as well as how this team has actually delivered uh, in Russia this year around? No, absolutely, and and the reports coming from Russia as well state, uh, you know, that that uh, um, Gareth Southgate has given his players uh, the freedom to to express themselves on the pitch, and not only on the pitch, but it's it's been a more relaxed mm. atmosphere off the pitch as well. He's treating them like adults, and 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 some of the pundits have actually been uh, amazed at how uh, the players are being treated now compared to when they played for England. Yeah. And uh, remember, this uh, is a third semi-final for England. They won one, and of course, they won, went on to win the tournament in '96. They lost in uh, two, uh, 1986 yeah. uh, at, in, on penalties to Germany. So, and, and Croatia, this is their fifth time at the World Cup only uh, since independence in 1991, and the second time already they've reached the semi-final. And they obviously would want to go one step further. They lost in the semi-final in '98 to the eventual winners, France. But uh, I think this this England side certainly, uh, you know, the fact that they came through that game against Colombia when, when Colombia really tried to intimidate them and uh, the fact that they came through that game would have been uh, would have helped them tremendously in terms of experience and uh, you know they, they, they certainly have grown as a team the longer this tournament has gone on if there's one thing uh, maybe that that may count against them is the fact that uh, they haven't really beaten tough teams uh, thus far at this tournament mm. besides that game against uh, Colombia uh, it was a rather easy semi quarterfinal against Sweden in the group games they had an easy time against Tunisia against uh, Panama as well and that game against Belgium didn't really count for much so uh, you know they may have to raise their their mental intensity this evening as well Thank you very much. That's Mo Ali bringing us up to date with that game between Croatia and England. Although of England's mind, they've already won the game and they're going to be coming up against France uh, looking at all the tweets that have been going on. But uh, I think that our listeners seem to disagree. We've got an SMS that came in that says Croatia is going to embarrass England 2-1 scoreline. That game starts at 8 o'clock, so be sure to be watching SABC1. Of course, we will be bringing you all the action live as it happens. For the great story, though, if you have missed it, if you have been under a rock somewhere. Kevin Anderson is through to the semi-finals of Wimbledon. He is the first South African to do so since Kevin Curran in 1983. Loving all the tweets, loving all the SMSs that are coming through, particularly like this one that says, I bet you there's a kid in the location that loves tennis, um, but it's unfortunate that he didn't, didn't get to watch such history because they can't afford DSTV. Um, so, you know, I think that that is such a valid point. I think that as South Africans, we need to make inclusivity so important when it comes to sport because as Mandela said sport has the power to change and sport has the power to bring people together great great insights uh, we're also going to be talking to Lawrence Mahatlane who is currently in England the under 19s are playing in England at the youth test series and he's going to be bringing us up to date with exactly what's happening there just after this break at SFM radio and at Leslie underscore Khan on Twitter Lawrence Mahatlani, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us this evening on SAFM Sport uh, Sport On. I almost called it Spot On, but, you know, I'm, on, I'm Spot On. <laughs> good evening, love, and good evening to all your listeners. Now, uh, Larry, uh, not such great news. Uh, England have went one up in that youth test series, um, not looking particularly good. Seems to that, that the team didn't particularly deliver when it comes to the bat this evening. Well, uh, yeah, I think one of the most uh, disappointing thing was that after winning the toss and and getting an opportunity to bat uh, during a beautiful, beautiful weather, heat wave on, uh, we just didn't capitalize. You know, we got two guys getting 50s, nobody getting big scores, Mm. and we just didn't score enough runs uh, to put pressure on the England side. And from an England point of view, I thought um, 
you know, the captain Danton batted really well. He was the only one in the first innings to to get a big hundred, and two other players getting double figures. So uh, he just batted superbly and took the game away from us. And by the time the weather turned uh, and a bit of movement around, uh, we were just behind the eight ball by two shots. Now, of course, uh, they do take a England then takes a one-nil lead heading into the next Test match, um, which is going to be in the next couple of days. Um, it looks like it should be like this, the sixteenth of July, so it is a few days for the boys to kind of compose themselves. Uh, what are you going to be looking at? Is it a mental thing, or do you think that they need a little bit more time on the track? Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of both. Uh, you know, we must remember we're in the middle of winter, and yeah. I'm either. Jobic and Pretoria guys had an opportunity to be practicing and preparing on turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the guys have been on indoors. So to just adjust their games, uh, it's very important. And I think we, we've done a lot of work. Uh, mentally, it's about, uh, it's about sharpening up and, and really when you get the opportunity to, to take advantage of it. So um, I'm excited because I think we've got a, a very good mix of boys. Uh, we've got at least five young men that qualify for the 2020 World Cup to yeah. give them experience. We've got six guys that came from the last World Cup, and uh, we're looking for those guys to start leading and, and really putting their hand up to, to make sure that um, we're competitive in this environment. I think England have also done the same to try and mix it all up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it should be a very tight series. And I'm excited to see more young men get opportunity in the next Test match. On the line, we've got Selo from Mokopane. He wants to comment about this new generation of cricketers. Selo, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us this evening. Thank you for having me. Look, I do think um, in terms of cricket, ne, mm-hmm. um, we we are excelling much better compared to other sports in this. And, um, what it should be and and this um in uh, for for this young generation need to be more focused and they need to be more self discipline and and and, and 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 so forth and we need to um support them as much as we can and so that they can do much better like they are doing um look at them uh, uh, um the national one the the, the they are very proteas. They yes, are also proteas, yeah. not too bad. They are really doing what they should supposed to do. And uh, I think we are, we are getting there. Just that we just need to put, um, uh, uh, what can I call it, um, uh, another color people in them so that it can be balanced. Um, we don't want other people to be called quotas and whatnot. Um, so, so, so I think... Um, the guys might just be focused and focused, be passionate yeah. about what they're doing. Thank you very much, Selo from Makapane. Um, uh, Larry, just listening to Selo, one of the things that he did mention, and you as the under-19 coach, you know, um, discipline is very, very important, but you're also not there to be a parent. Um, what is the, the difference in, in how you actually go about enforcing discipline on the field um, as a coach as opposed to, you know, basically laying down the law and, and kind of stifling their creativity as individuals? Yeah, I think one of the hardest things from from a South African point of view is that we we've got a lot of schoolboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the guys come straight out of school into under nineteen cricket, where in a lot of countries there's uh, yeah, a lot of them get exposed to first class cricket. The England side, for example, all their players play 
what we would call senior provincial cricket yeah. uh, before coming into the under-19 setup. So it is a very, it's a very gentle balance. I think uh, you you keep those disciplines, but you also allow a lot of freedom to express themselves out on the park. Uh, ultimately, you don't want them to have any regrets. I think uh, we sit with a generation of young kids that uh, that are excited. You know the fact that. Uh, one of their own, Vian Mulder, who captained the, the team last year yeah. in uh, 2017, has already played for the Proteus, has, has obviously re-energized the whole system in that they know that if they perform and they put their hand up, uh, the opportunities are begging. So it is exciting times, I think, being, uh, being where I am because uh, the young men have got the discipline and, and they're out there to try to prove that uh, they also belong on the big stage. We're in conversation with Lawrence Mahatlani, who is the coach of the uh, SA Under-19 cricket team. They are currently in the UK. They've gone down 1-0 in the youth test uh, series against um, England. The next test is going to be on the 16th of July. Larry, before we take um, the ad break, I just want to ask you any changes that you're going to be making to the team heading into that second test? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we played to the conditions uh, in the last game. Uh, we thought there was going to be a bit of swing around, and, and there was. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, our bowlers didn't. But uh, I think we will consider playing a couple of spinners in the next game and uh, maybe an extra batter. So from an options point of view, it's also important that at this level you give every player an opportunity. Yeah. So ideally, everybody should apply a test match by the end of the tour. So possibly four changes. But um, it's also important to, to bounce back. So better think it will will happen between uh, myself, the captain, and the coaching staff. And uh, we'll obviously chat to, to the convener back home. We are going to be chatting to Lawrence Mahatlani after the break about the um, test that is going to be taking place between South Africa and Sri Lanka. That test, of course, starts tomorrow. Um, it starts in Gaul. It's the first of two tests. Um, and we will be bringing you up to date with that action just after this. At SAFM Radio and at Lizzie underscore Khan on Twitter. Welcome back to SAFM Sports on leading the conversation. It's just gone six minutes to eight. If you've only just joined us, where have you been since seven o'clock? So much has happened, including, of course, that win by Kevin Anderson over Roger Federer, which means that he has moved into the semifinals of Wimbledon. Uh, Lawrence, you are currently in England. The boys must have watched the game or at least heard the results. How are they feeling about that win? Are they feeling that, you know, all sparked and energized? Yeah, no, definitely. I think South Africans are very loyal to the flag and to everybody South African. So uh, the win, especially the marathon win, from coming back two sets, I think we can only use that as inspiration. You know, we won no down, and uh, hopefully we can also bounce back like you did. Uh, what a game it was to win 13-11 in that final set was uh, was something very special. Definitely a marathon of a game. Four hours, 15 minutes, or 13 minutes. So a long time on the on the court. Hopefully he'll have some time to recover. Of course, a currently underway, well, not currently, but going to be starting tomorrow is the test match between South Africa and Sri Lanka. Uh, the last time they were there was in 2014. A great win for them in that test series, winning 1-0. Uh, first time, uh, I think it was 21 years that they were able to do that. Uh, Larry, I want to speak to you as the under-19 coach, looking at... A talent that moves into the Proteas uh, Senior Men's National setup. You know, when you are coaching, do you are, are you cognizant of the guys that you see as moving up, or do you just focus on the under nineteen team? 
Yeah, I think it's important to build a relationship with all these young men over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you really want to see them grow and uh, hopefully make it all the way to the top. So you you keep your eye on all of them as uh, as they keep growing. And that growth is so important because, you know, you're looking at a guy, guy like Aidan Markram who has been absolutely sensational um, at stepping up. Uh, the boys must look at him and think, you know, there, there's definitely opportunity for them. Kahiso Rabada is not an old man. You know, he's, he's, he's in his 20s. Uh, Lungi Ngidi is also, you know, th- there's a lot of youngsters in this team. Um, are there a lot of boys that are sitting there in the under-19 team think chomping at the bit to make that transition? Yeah, no, they are. I think uh, every single one of them has has the dream to represent the Proteus and uh, to be part of the Proteus Fire culture, uh, because ultimately that's that's their goal as individuals. And uh, it, it's exciting to just watch how they train, uh, how they prepare, because they they're preparing at levels that you sit back as a coach and you think, you know, these these young men are driven. They they really want to represent their country, and uh, they're hoping with opportunities. You know, what Otis Gibson has done in picking uh, Vian Milda, Lungi Ngidi, mm. Lungi Ngidi played at Sander 19 in 2015. Uh, he, he's inspired basically the, the next generation to say, guys, we're actually not that far away. With the game starting tomorrow, uh, I bet you guys are going to be keeping an eye on that particular game. Team makeup, um, what do you see? Um, how are we going to go? Are we going to go with four pace attack or are we going to go with three paces, two spinners? What do you think we should looking at, be looking at when it comes to the team setup? Yeah, I, I think that there'll be a few headaches in the South African camp uh, mm-hmm. because the spinners have done well to Brasham, Rizzi, and Funberg uh, has also done nicely yes. in that warm-up game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the big issue for me is Rabat is coming back from an injury. Dale Stein, even though he's played a bit of county cricket, he's also coming back from an injury. Uh, Vernon Do you take the risk of playing mm-hmm. just three seamers and... And if one of them break down, you, you, you left it too. Or do you go out there and say, this is how South Africa are going to play uh, and give Ngidi another go at the test? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's good questions. Uh, it's good pressure. Uh, and in the second spinner, we know Maharaj will be the first. Yeah. Uh, do you go for the X-Factor Shanzi uh, and allow Vernon Philanda to bet at seven? Or do you go for Van Berg, who's going to give you a bit more experience, experience. and a bit more batting depth? Mm. So uh, a few questions to be answered by the Proteus selectors. And uh, I'm excited to look at what they come up with. Uh, knowing okay. how Oates always speak about being positive, I get a feeling South Africa might uh, might go with two spinners and uh, Shamsi might be the second spinner. Being at a positive move in, in attacking and, and not worried about uh, the batting depth. Oh, I th- thank you very much. That's Lawrence Mahatlane, who is uh, the coach for the under-19 team. Uh, they are currently in uh, England. They are actually just lost their first test. So they've gone 1-0 down in that youth test series. But as Lawrence has said, they've taken you know a lot of inspiration from Kevin Anderson's win. Also going to be watching the game um, as the test match starts tomorrow between the Proteas and Sri Lanka in Gaul. Uh, thank you very much for everybody uh, this evening. Peter Kirsten, also great always to speak to you, as well as Chris Bowers bringing us up to 
date with all the action from Wimbledon. Thank you to uh, my team, Lou, Bubs, Tebojo. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Um, also, uh, yeah, you know, it's been it's been a great one for me. As I said, I was just standing in for Tabiso. He will be back with you tomorrow evening. But coming up at nine, well, coming up is Ashraf Gada. He's going to be good. He's going to be in conversation this evening on the viewpoint. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and all the best for the rest of the week. Uh, right now, it's just gone eight o'clock, which means that it's time for the news.